Welcome to The Corporate Coven, a podcast that explores the intersection of mysticism and the modern workplace. On this show, we discuss how to bring your spiritual craft and practice into the workplace. We'll talk to people who have found ways to include ritual and spirituality into their everyday work and hear from experts on the topics of how to stay spiritually connected while managing the demands of the modern workplace. Our host, Jessica, is a certified career counselor, HR outlaw, and vocational astrologer. If you've ever wondered how to bring your spiritual practice into the workplace, this podcast is for you. Join us as we radically transform workplaces to be a little more magical. What's up, witches? Welcome back to another episode of the Corporate Coven podcast. And I am so excited in this episode to be introducing you to Christy Yael from This Sacred Life. Christy has a podcast as well, This Sacred Life podcast. And I'm going to quickly read you her bio and then tell you a little bit about how Christy and I know each other and kind of set you up for the episode. So in her podcast, Christy shares about herself that she is a spiritual channel and mentor. Her passion is to support people to discover their soul's purpose and become fully attuned to their personal power and innate worth. Her podcast is a space of expansion in which spiritual leaders and guides illuminate the path forward and share their wisdom with us. This sacred life is a portal through which we remember who we are and why we are here. In her mentorship and individual sessions, she works with astrology, human design, and the Akashic Records to access your soul's blueprint in order to illuminate the greatest expression of your soul's potential in this lifetime. If you want to connect with Christy or follow her work or listen to her podcast, I've linked all of her links in the show notes of this episode. Christy and I met, I don't remember what year it was. It may have been 2021. It could have been last year in 2022, but we shared an astrological mentor, Tarek Adib, and he is actually on her podcast and I'm working to get him scheduled to be on my podcast because he's brilliant and wonderful. And Christy and I have just kind of like stayed connected since then and like followed and supported each other's work. When we originally connected to talk about doing a podcast feature, we kind of had this like idea to do just a cross collaboration, meaning that in this conversation that Christy and I recorded, we're each posting the same conversation to our podcasts. And I felt like this was really brilliant because Christy and I talk so much around similar things. You could hear, you know, the soul's purpose. And I do vocational astrology and she works with spiritual leaders and I work with business leaders. And I think that in all the ways that I am very corporate and maybe a bit more buttoned up, although with how much I swear on the podcast, maybe I shouldn't call myself buttoned up, but you know, in all the ways that I'm very like Capricorn and very structured, she is very artistic and creative. And so we have similar offerings, but we go about it in such a different way that I thought it would be really fun just to invite her on. We had no plans on what to talk about in the episode. There was no scripting. There was no sharing questions or anything like that ahead of time. We really just hopped on, pressed record and started talking. We recorded this episode on the new moon in Cancer, and so a lot of what we were talking about was just very topical. Sometimes I record my guest episodes, and then it's weeks, sometimes even months, before I publish them. And after we were done recording the conversation, I asked her, I said, is there any way that we can push this out earlier? Because we talk about the lunar nodes in Aries and Libra squaring Pluto. We talk about the power of surrender. We talk about you know, kind of a preview of what the new 18-month lunar cycle might be bringing for people, or sorry, the eclipse cycle might be bringing for people. And I just thought, you know, this is so brilliant, and and folks will really benefit from having this perspective earlier rather than later. And so we rushed some of the editing, we rushed some of the timelines for getting this published because we know it's going to be so useful for folks in their life right now. And I think something else that I want to share about this episode is that a big thing that Christy and I talk about with the North Node in Aries is the power of understanding yourself and what is transformed in your life when you are seated comfortably in your self-knowledge. And we discuss how astrology and human design 
as well as some other mediums and modalities that we deal in. You heard that she uses the Akashic records as well. Um, you know, she's a spiritual channel. We talked about how these are all tools that really are meant to empower you. And part of that empowerment is not to come in and force yourself through life, but to surrender and trust yourself as you make decisions and trust that the universe is here to support you. And I think it's such a rich and powerful conversation. And I really appreciate Christy's perspective and what she contributes, not only to the podcast episode, but also to this spiritual entrepreneur space as well. One thing that I share with Christy in the episode is that um, I've never formally had my, well, no, that's a lie. I've had my human design chart read one time before, and there are some things that resonate. I am a reflector and we are often referred to as the unicorns of human design um, out of everyone that I've interacted with. And every time that I pull my audience, I've only met two other reflectors um, virtually, not in real life. And so I've told, you know, I shared with Christy, I said, every time I read or hear something about reflectors, it just doesn't really resonate. And I know that it's similar to astrology where, you know, you can read kind of like the, the quick accessible versions of horoscopes or zodiac archetypes, but the real richness comes in understanding or working with a professional. And so I have my uh, human design reading with her booked. I'm super eager to understand like what this means for me and we'll probably have to bring Christy back on. I say that with all my guests, but honestly, I just feel so blessed all the time to be able to be in these conversations with people and to, um, you know, just benefit from their energy and to hear their stories and their gifts and their perspectives. And so, of course, I always want everyone back on. I have the benefit of talking with such incredible, amazing people. Um, but I, re I really love this conversation. And again, I made it a point to publish this early because I know it's going to be so valuable to you. And we talk about things which are just so in line with the current astrology. So I'll stop going on and gushing about it again. I know that you're going to love Christy already. So uh, while you're listening to this episode, go into the show notes, check out some of her links, book your readings with her, get on the newsletter and look at her gorgeous website. I mean, this is again where you can really see the Venusian, the very um, Libran, and just what it looks like for a true creative person to enter into a spiritual and professional space. It's incredible. So without further ado, let me welcome you into the episode featuring Christy Yale from This Sacred Life. Hey, look at us. I love this. Trying new things on a Monday. Amazing. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, so typically... This is like the welcome to the show or something like that, but we're doing like a cross collab. This will be posted on both of our podcasts yes. and we're trying something new, not only in a cross collaboration episode, but also in trying to dual record a zoom meeting. And there's no better time to try new things than on the new moon when we're recording <laughs> this podcast. It's true. And so Perfect. We would have done introductions already, but I guess like really quickly, like we're in this conversation. My name is Jessica Munson. I am that witch from work and head witch at the corporate coven. Christy. So I'm Christy Yael. I am, um, my company is called This Sacred Life and I'm a spiritual channel and mentor. And I work a lot with astrology and human design and the Akashic records. Yes. Yeah. So just before recording, we were talking about just the astrology. We're recording this on the day of the new moon in cancer and reflecting on how intense it's been for both of us as people with day jobs, as well as business owners. But I feel like the common thread for you and I, Christy, is that we're so grateful that we know astrology and that we yeah. have these like tools to get through it. I know I shared like in my day job, in my corporate life, um, it's just been chaos. And I look at my coworkers and I see them having this similar experience to me of like, what's happening, what's going on. Everything feels so wild and overwhelming. And I just think like, oh, I'm so grateful to have the tools in my tool belt to not only anticipate and try to like interpret and make sense of the cosmos, but also like to bolster my own resilience I know for you, like I'm an employee and then I'm a business owner, but you kind of have like leadership roles in both of your work Thank environments. You. 
Yeah, I have two different companies. I have a theater company that I'm the artistic director of, and then I have a spiritual company. And it is interesting to see, like, I love astrology because it really helps me to work consciously with the energy, it really helps me to, to recognize that everything that's happening is happening for my benefit, even if I'm getting a little you know, rocked and rolled through the process that it's still happening for me, that there's still an unfolding that I'm experiencing. And, you know, I can really see the pressure. And I think this is, we were talking about, we were both experiencing this today, really seeing people feeling really caught in like powerlessness and a lack of empowerment today because they're getting really feeling these energies. It's the new moon and cancer, but also the nodes are changing signs. And mm-hmm. this is the first time that the nodes have been North node has just moved into, has it happened yet? It's today. Yeah. Yeah. Um, right around now. I think. Yeah. <laughs> Get the it. timing of this. The North node has just moved into Aries and then the, the South node has moved into Libra. And the last time this happened was 19 years ago. Yeah. And the other thing that we were talking about is how what I love about astrology is really being able to look back at, you know, the last time this happened, what was going on in my life and what were the themes and how did things shift for me as the nodal axis shifted from, from Taurus Scorpio to Aries Libra. For me, I had a baby. So my oldest daughter, it's her nodal return right now. Wow. Okay. So it's like a really, I was able to really reflect on, oh, this was a big and yes. it's interesting, a big moment. And we, she and I were looking last night at, I remember the day that I sort of woke up that day and said, oh, I want to have a baby. <laughs> it was that clear. Yes. And it's literally the day after the nodes change signs and wow. I'm a Libra rising. So <laughs> for me, it's a very significant uh, transit. Yeah. And you know, again, it's, it's funny because I mean, did you 19 years ago, like, were you into astrology back then? Like, did you recognize the significance of the timing? No, no, no. I had sort of dipped in and out of it since I was a teenager, but I wasn't, I wasn't aware of it Yeah, and working with it the way I am now. So no, at the time I had no idea that that's what was going on. See, this is what I love though. And I, for me, I say this to my clients quite often, you know, I think that sometimes for me as a reader anyways, like I get a lot of people where I'm the first astrologer they've ever worked with. I'm like a really good intro point into astrology. And so often they're coming in with like, you know, am I living my chart? Am I doing the right things? And I tell them so often, like, you can't help it. You can't yeah. help, but live your chart. You can't help, but experience the astrology. This is where you don't have to believe in astrology for it to work. And for me today, you know, we're talking about like the node shifting. It's the new moon. We have that Pluto opposition going on. And today at work, almost everyone was talking about milestones, these Mm. significant milestones. And again, I work with a bunch of like muggles. I work with a bunch of people that they know I'm an astrologer. And I think I've had like maybe a few of my coworkers listen to my podcast, but for the most part, it's still this very, just because the weird one and in HR or whatever, and they don't follow it. But then the entire consciousness of my organization was milestones. And I'm like, you can't make this up. Like these transits are significant, whether you are aware of them or not, whether you believe in them or not, like we are always just living out and embodying the astrology. Well, we're energetic beings. So the idea that we wouldn't be affected by what's happening in the cosmos is a little asinine really. Yeah. it is. It's un. We are un. We are in the energy and unfolding through the energy, whether we're awake to it or not. And that's that's the the piece that I find comes with utilizing astrology is because it's a tool of empowerment. It's like yeah. instead of walking through my life sort of blind and getting knocked about and really reactive, I, the same things are unfolding, but I'm doing it from a place of awakeness and consciousness and empowerment and activation. Yeah. And that makes all the difference, but either way. Yeah. I think, I think we have, it's like, sometimes it's, I was talking to someone about this today. We are so much more powerful than we think we are. Like we are creating our perception of our reality so much more than we realize. And also there is so much divine um, unfolding to it all. And those two things coexist. Do you know what I mean? Yes. Oh my gosh. I was, I went, I went on a road trip recently with someone 
And we were just asking each other like questions, kind of getting to know each other. And one of the pre-curated questions that we came across was like, what do you think has, what one thing do you think is the strongest evidence for magic? And Mm -hmm. I was like the placebo effect. The fact that just by believing we are being healed or that there is a change being made to our chemistry, the belief that it's happening makes it happen. And so I love that you called that out, like, especially with, for me, Pluto, whenever it's part of the conversation is always into a power play. Who has the power? Are you powerless? Who's the dominating figure making you feel like you don't have any power? And so that idea of like, we are so much more powerful than we give ourselves credit for. And sometimes when we have big transits like this, it doesn't feel that way. But if we can just trust that this is just a transit, this is just an experience, we actually are like magnificent, magical, creative beings that ultimately have total power in our life, right? And I think it's this misunderstood concept that if we have power in our life, we can control all of the external. Yeah the external environment. And it's, it's not that it's one of my favorite books is by Michael Singer. It's called the surrender experiment. Mm. And in that book, he talks about how, like he recognized that his consciousness was greater than his ego. So his ego wasn't really running the show. Yeah. Awareness of his ego is really who he is. And that the more he surrendered into sort of the divine unfolding of it all and recognize that what he does control is his perception of his reality, the more his life can unfold to the greatest level possible, like that it really can be greater than anything he can imagine through that combination of I'm in charge of my perception. Mm -hmm. I really, I really am leading myself through my life. I am experiencing a magical life because I choose to experience a magical life, right? Yes. Combined with, I am surrendered to the knowing that it, the unfolding of it is all so much greater than anything I could conceive for myself. And the more he took that position, the more his life elevated and escalated to a, to a life he couldn't have imagined for himself. Absolutely. I'm so grateful that you said that because I do think that when we hear the word power, there are certain images that come into mind. And even like thinking about strength, like I was thinking about, you know, the difference between flowing with the river, as opposed to trying to like paddle against it. And the idea of like, oh, I am powerful. So therefore I should be able to paddle against the flow of the river. Whereas it's not that it's really about like trusting that you're going to be able to navigate whatever flows your way or wherever the river takes you. And it made me think about the strength card and the major arcana actually Mm. of the idea of, you know, having a power, like a, a power, but also an inner strength isn't just about you know, controlling the roaring lion. It's about that like inner strength and that fortitude. And it really all comes down to trust. Like, do I trust myself to make decisions that are in alignment for my highest and greatest good? Do I trust that everything is working out for me and for my benefit? And the, you know, there's so much strength in letting go and surrendering. It's not just about reaching forward with something with the North node, right? It's also about the power of letting go in the South node. You have to be able to do and balance both. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, it is. Um, it's, I'm so curious, especially I think as a, as a Libra rising, mm-hmm. as we're moving into this nodal axis, and we're also going into this, um, this Venus retrograde. Yeah. I think that that quality of, you know, of trust and surrender is so important. I think we're going to see a lot of, uh, you know, externalizing our suffering, a lot of looking outside of ourselves and pointing the finger and saying, the problem is you, not me. Oh yeah. Uh, You know, a lot of relationship stuff is going to come up and I think it's going to be really could potentially be beautiful for many people, but could also be challenging for some people when they're caught in that illusion of the problem is outside of me. The problem is, yeah. I feel like if there's one thing that, you know, like of all the hills we die on or the things that we say so often, they might as well be like tattooed on our forehead. For me, it really is the idea that the people around us are a mirror. Now I'm a reflector in human design. So I know that sometimes that's just my bias, (laughs) but, but with that being said, I really like 
and this is so much easier to say, like putting this into practice is something that takes so much time and like continual effort towards it. But this idea of, you know, whatever we love about another person, we're recognizing a piece of ourselves within them and whatever we are frustrated and so irritated by another person, that's a reflection of some part of us that we're rejecting as well. And I think that's an interesting, like I talked on my, um, my forecast about the Venus retrograde station happens. It's like, she's just about, Venus is just about to leave Leo. And then the North node enters the chat and she's like, Oh, hold on. Wait a minute. (laughs) Okay. No, I'll stay a while. Actually. Like, let me take a few steps back now that you're here. And let me figure this out. (laughs) Yeah. Like now that you're in my corner. And also the South node is in a Venus ruled sign. It's kind of like, okay, okay, wait, I actually feel going back to like the idea of like power, this -hmm. idea of like, I feel empowered to admit when I don't want to give something my all, when my heart's not in it. I feel empowered to let you know that I don't want to go on this journey, actually. Mm -hmm. Like this isn't right for me anymore. But that's something that is in a lot of contexts, not always easy to share or easy to say, you know, I disagree with this. I don't want to do this. It's like when, um, when your friends invite you out and you say, yeah, but like deep down, you're like, I'm going to cancel last minute. I'm going to be sick (laughs) instead of just being forthright and saying that doesn't sound like anything I want to do. And I don't leave my house after eight 30. Sorry. I'm not going to go out. You know, the truth that comes forward with the North node. Yeah. I mean that all that self node Libra codependency and people pleasing and Mm -hmm. and ahead of myself in order to feel validated and loved and connected. Like I really think those, it is such a beautiful time for people to step into their personal power to, you know, actualize the most empowered version of themselves and, and to really also look at, um, you know, our attachment stuff. Like we have so much attachment wounding as we're human. Yeah. And I think we forget a lot in the spiritual world anyway, in the spiritual community that we're like spiritual beings having very human, dense human experiences. We're here to be in the human, in the material realm, experiencing the human, not outside of it. Right. And I think what is beautiful about this time, especially these next few months, as we head towards eclipse season is that this, you know, our like attachment wounds from zero to seven, especially are so acute. We all have them in some form or another. And even the most conscious parents, (laughs) as they raise their children, they still get created. And it's just part of the, the illusion of separation that we experience in the human experience. And so I'm, I'm really sort of hopeful and curious about how we can start to heal that, how that Mm. those attachment wounds come up for people and how it gives them the opportunity to start to find their empowerment in relationship, find safety in relationship and sort of move beyond those, those woundings with that combination of the nodal axis and then the Venus retrograde and Pluto kicking around. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it made me think about, I know that we were kind of talking about this before the recording started, just about how so much of the astrology is really just, it's one massive story, right? It's just a tapestry that's continuing to be woven and there's, you know, different patterns or different stories that come up, but they're all connected. There's never just like this one moment astrologically that happens that is completely isolated from any other transit or from any other journey or cycle that it's been through. And it's making me think about how much of our experience through like the global pandemic and with the lockdowns, this idea of like, you know, who am I in groups? You know, what parties do I identify with? Who matches my ideology around here? And how do I like connect with them? But then coming out of that is also like, but what do I think? How do I actually feel about it? And how much do I feel like I have to go along with the group for safety, because evolutionarily like speaking, we live in communities because it's safer, right? Like it's safe to, to live in groups of people. And that's why like social psychology, you know, that we study, like, why do we feel like we need to agree with people? And what does that do for us? What type of safety, like going back to that attachment, like, does that give us to feel like we match a larger group, but then what happens when we disagree, when we want to stand in our power and how comfortable do we really feel doing that? I think I'll say for me personally, I don't want to speak for anyone else um, right now, but I wouldn't be surprised if other folks had this experience. 
but that was a really weird time for me. <laughs> the the panini and and all of the things that came along with it, right? Of really trying to recognize like what do I personally think? What do I personally make of all these storylines? But then how do I maintain my individual identity but recognize that I need to coexist, that there's benefit to coexisting. It actually impacts my physical health when I am or I'm not in partnerships or in, you know, spaces. Like there's a lot of research around how, when you spend too much time in isolation, it's not just, you know, you experience depression, but your body doesn't replenish as quickly and you, you are low energy and stuff like that. And that is a big danger of like over correcting with the North node and Aries of like being too singular. You run the risk of like cancel culture or, um, being separated from the group, having to do everything on your own. I think it's going to be really interesting to see, like when you were saying that and I'm like, oh yeah, you know, Venus is going to be there. It's going to be coming up in relationships. It's like, well, are you willing to disagree? Are you willing to accept the, the outcomes or the natural consequences when you stand in your power, when you have your own idea, when you put it out there and you risk, you know, letting go of that relationship? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I think, um, you know, I I think what's so beautiful, it's so funny. You were talking about that. I was thinking a little bit about human design as well, which I'll talk about in a second. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, it's what is beautiful about every one of these sort of more significant transits is that like everything, it exists in duality, there's shadow and light, right? is always the highest frequency of something. And then there's always the lowest frequency of something. And there's, and then the wide spectrum in between. And I think we all vacillate through the spectrum. So we get to look at the, the pieces and parts of ourselves that are, you know, disempowered and stepping into empowerment and what happens for each of us when we swing too far in the other direction and then have to self-correct and, and being, and I think, you know, my hope is because you, I could see on a collective level, this is a lot of fire energy. We are moving. Oh, yeah. There's a lot of fire. So when you look at it collectively, you know, I could, you could see the potential for a lot of shadow behavior, Mm -hmm. but the hope is, and what's so beautiful about the, the, these nodal transits. And I think what, what I've certainly been conscious of through this last one with Scorpio and Taurus is it is a journey. Yeah. It is 18 months of experience. It's 18 months of experiencing the shadow and the light of, and the duality of it all and looking at and having the tribe be a mirror for ourselves and our own internal experiences and then working with it. And I think yeah. in that regard, it's such a gift when you work with it consciously. Yes. Not, it can be a little sticky. Mm-hmm. <laughs> be- but I was thinking when you were talking about being a reflector and, and also just talking about tribe, you know, one of the things that I love about human design is it's tribal, right? The whole psychology for lack of a better word of human design is that we all coexist together in a tribe and that we all bring something to that experience and yeah. we bring our unique blueprint our unique design to that experience and we're all here to work together to complete the tribe it's and and it's so important to be in that symbiotic relationship with one another and recognize that no one else is supposed to be like us, right? We are supposed to be authentic and in our individuality. And, you know, as a reflector, you are like one, you're the unicorn, you are 1% of the population and you hold such a, an important part because you really are the mirror, right? Yeah. You really are here to hold up for us. And it's, it's so powerful um, to really hold up the experience of being reflected back to ourselves. And it's a beautiful thing and can also be, uh, uh, for some people, it can be a challenging thing to sit with a reflector because they have to hold the power of that. Yeah. I'll tell you what, my siblings hated it growing up. (laughs) (laughs) Because you see everything. You see everything. Yeah. Yeah. That actually is something I got um, a human design reading from it was someone who was just barely like starting their business I think I was like one of their very first like clients they were just kind of like trying it out so I need to go back and get like a more formal one done from someone who's been doing it like a little bit longer but that was one thing that they said to me that I was just I was dying they were like you know a reflector 
can be really hard for some people to be around because if they're not in a good space, you kind of amplify that back to them. But I have found with my clients anyway, so if anyone's like, oh, I don't want to work with Jessica with my clients, I reflect the very best parts of you. If you're my older brother, though, I'm going to let you know what's wrong and what's bothersome. (laughs) Well, and that it can actually be the other way around. You have to be careful as a reflector that you're not taking on the energy of the space that you're in. Yeah. That's that's going to be the hardest part. I'll do a human design reading for you. Okay. It'll be fun. Help me unpack what it means to be the unicorn. <laughs> it's so cool. I mean, my human, dis- my, my reflector clients, they're, they're, it's such a special and unique way of utilizing your energy in the world when yeah. you're, con- it's just like astrology, when you're conscious of it, yeah. when you're not, you can feel like, what is wrong with me? Like, why is it so hard? Why am I not able to move through my life the way all these other people are? Yeah. And I think what's tricky is, you know, 70% of our population are generators and manifesting generators and generators are people in human design who are highly productive, have a lot of energy, they're sacral beings. So they, you know, their gut gets lit up with emotion and then, and, and if you're not a, and and so we're all programmed to act like generators. And so if you're not a generator, you can feel like you're doing it wrong, but yeah. Yeah. You know, I think that you know, thinking about like human design and astrology and these tools that have more purpose and significance than just self-discovery, but that is like a really easy access point into it. And that's another thing I've been thinking of with the nodal shift, you know, who we are, that's Aries versus who we are in context is like Libra. Mm. Right. And I first see this shift being really, I think actually like beneficial if we're conscious of it, of like a time to really go into self-exploration. And I don't mean like just astrology. I'm like, what's your natal chart? What's your human design? What's your Enneagram? What's your, you know, ancestral makeup? Like what are all of those ways to look at you and evaluate who you are? Because the more knowledge that you have, and I look at all of these as kind of like a language, you're learning a language when you're learning these different systems. And yes, you're like, exploring ways to, you know, consider yourself, but that's really what it is. It's what language do I use to describe myself and my experience of the world? But it's not just that self-knowledge, really understanding who am I in context though? Like, for example, like my Aries moon, right? I know that I have a very fiery and passionate way of communicating. I know that I start speaking before the thought is fully formed. I know these things about myself and I've learned how to talk about that, right? But who am I in context? What does it feel like to be with me with an Aries moon? What does it feel like to be on the receiving end of someone who just talks and then figures out what they're saying? So that's another thing that I'm like, man, this is going to be such a cool time for people to really use these tools and these systems to figure out like, who am I? And how, how am I experienced? How do people perceive me? How does that change some of my behavior? And does it change behavior? You know, because maybe it doesn't, but. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, who am I without my conditioning, right? Like who is I when I can strip away all of these, these thoughts that I've taken on from my family of origin, from my ancestors, from society about who I'm supposed to be and really connect to my, my authentic self. And I mean, I think we've talked about this before, but you know, what is so amazing about astrology and human design and, and the Akashic records is you won't ever hear something that you, that doesn't resonate, right? Right. It's deeply validating. It's you get reminded of yourself in these experiences. You never hear anything that you're like, Oh, I had no idea. It's always, Oh, yes. Yes, you see me, not yes. my conditioning, not me with my the stories that my parents told me about how I was supposed to be, but me, me, truly me. And that's what's yes. so powerful about them. Yeah. And oh man, like hearing you say that, it just made me think about like I remember I remember being younger and starting to hear that type of language. Like I didn't I didn't really start getting exposed to like the more spiritual, mystical, anything outside of like your really standard, strict Christian, like faith or anything like that until I was like 18, 19. 
anyone who knows that age knows what I was going through at that time. Um, but that's really when it kind of like started coming into my awareness. And I remember like starting to hear things of like, oh, like, you know, like real authenticity or like discovering who you are and like reconnecting. And that just seemed so like foreign to me. Like, I was like, what are they talking about? Like, that makes no sense to me. But then the longer I've been on this journey and the more I really delve into these communities and these languages and, you know, these ancient practices, it's so incredible to like, like hearing it and trying to think about it or conceptualize it is one thing, but then having those moments of true resonance or like alignment of like, okay, this is that flow they were telling me about. I remember hearing someone say that you would just feel so holy yourself. And now I know what that feels like. Like that's such a, that's such a powerful, I'm using that powerful word again. Now I'm hearing it every time I say it. <laughs> that's such a powerful place to step into though. Cause I think what it gives you is, um, you know, we all go throughout our days making decisions, what we wear in the morning, you know, what time we leave for work. If we go to work, we make tons of decisions throughout the day. And some decisions are really small and we don't care if it's a good decision or not. You know, do I need another cup of coffee? I don't know. I'm not evaluating that decision. I don't care if it's a good decision or not, but there are other decisions in our life, which are those monumental milestone decisions. Maybe it's having a child. Maybe it's, you know, getting a different job. Maybe it's choosing a partner, like whatever it is for some people. It's even like, you know, do I get in the car and leave? And then they find out later that they avoided a massive car accident or something like that. Like there are some decisions that are those milestone moments in our life. And when we try to make those choices, we just want to know that we're making the good choice. We're mm -hmm. making a good decision right now. And when we rely solely on our external environment or those authority figures that we were raised with or born into, it's hard to really trust whether or not our decision is a good one because we're waiting for someone else to validate that. But when we really know who we are, it just flows. You don't check in. Okay, Jessica, like, did I make a good decision right now? I just know that I did. I know that I did. And I feel so strongly about that. And that's what it's like to really live in that like sense of self, right? That trust that I am making good decisions. I know what's good for me because I know who me is. Yeah, absolutely. And, and important to note that that knowing does not exist in our mind. Like we spend a lot of time trying to figure stuff out and we forget that we're animals, right? Yes. Mammals. And if you watch an animal in the wild, if you watch any, like a wolf, a deer, a rabbit, they have an innate knowing yeah. of how to be. And they have an innate response to what to do next or what to do if there's fear or what to do if they're hungry or what to do. And there's this trusting of the body. There's the yes. trusting of the connection to our authentic knowing that lives inside of us. That is a part of our divinity, I believe, yeah. and is also a part of our physical being. And when we can be in that space and not in the conditioning of the mind, really. Yeah. That, yeah. There's so much knowing there. There's just so much knowledge and trust there. Yeah. Yeah. This is reminding me now we had a conversation. I don't remember when we talked about this, but about how there's a lot of like language around like trying to go away from that like animal instinct and to kind of like become strictly like a spiritual being like strictly high vibe or moving into you know like i think dimensions or like something like that like the 5d and and really like no we're having like this primal experience and that's also part of the medicine and being okay with that that was similarly like growing up in the religion that i did you were taught to not trust that part of yourself yes. reject any part of it because that is I don't know, like evil or yeah. Um, you know, that was something that you wanted to avoid. It wasn't good for you. And so anytime that, that type of, I think carnal instinct is like the language that we use, like, you know, like carnal instinct came in, that was a clear sign of something bad that you needed to reject. And I'm not here to like dissect like the religion or anything. I just share that because that was something that I remember I was ingrained with. Like anytime that my body tried to make a decision, it was this moment of like, oh, I don't know if I can trust that actually. Let me think about it. And as an Aquarius rising, I can overthink just about anything. Mm -hmm. um, and so that was, it was really hard and to decondition out of that and to actually be okay with it. I mean, this is something that I think 
especially anyone who was in a formative year during the late 90s, early 2000s, where there was such an attack on bodies. And, you know, your body was like the enemy. So you need to force a diet, you need to reject it, you need to restrict it. Um, you know, don't trust what it's telling you. You're not actually hungry or, you're, you know, keep pushing and working anyways. That's really hard to come back from. That's really hard yeah. to bounce back from and to trust and purpose. to get back into there. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it is interesting when you sort of zoom the lens way out and look at all the ways that society conditions us to not be in our power yeah. on an individual basis. Is yeah, pretty wild, really. It's wild, but it's coming yeah. back. We're coming but back to reclaim it. it. And you know, and I think it's also part of. And you, you can speak to this, I think, more than I can. But also part of Pluto moving into Aquarius, right? We're moving back into tribes. We're moving back into, out of out of the Capricorn into the Aquarian. We're moving back to the people. Yes. And that's where the deep transformation and hopefully the power shifts to. Yeah. And again, like we're kind of, you know, we have the Pluto retrograde back into Capricorn. It will move forward and then move back again. And I think that there's sometimes like these expectations of like a transit will come and then like, oh, we're saved. Everything's <laughs> fine again. Pluto moved into Aquarius for just a little bit. And all of a sudden, we are living in that idealistic, utopian, standing in a circle, hands raised. But it's like, yes. And we have so much work to do to really bring that about. And that's again, like, you know, with we're recording on the new moon in Cancer. And I know a lot of astrologers, myself included, have been talking about how this is not just another new moon. I mean, all new moons are special and important, but this one in particular feels so much like a true entry point, a mm. true initiation of something brand new, but damn, does that hurt sometimes? <laughs> it's yeah. hard. I mean, birth is hard, right? Like yes. major transformation is hard. These experiences of expansion and, and stepping into the next level of ourselves it's not easy yeah but I have a controversial opinion <laughs> that you know we, we we're here for the suffering like suffering can be uncomfortable but it doesn't mean it's bad it's part of the experience we're here yes. for the duality we can't get the joy without the suffering we're here for the whole shebang and it's yes. part of what is so rich about the human experience I share that controversial opinion with you. And I'm just dying because right before leaving work today, I was talking with a coworker and they were talking about, you know, oh, I've, I've made a decision recently. And I don't know why I did this, except for that. I said to myself before I made the decision, I am willing to struggle mm. for this outcome. And I told her at the same time, like when I made the decision to go pursue my master's degree and risk getting pregnant at the exact same time, which did happen, um, I remember telling myself I'm ready to struggle. I was in a position prior to that where I was super comfortable, too comfortable. I was getting paid too well for how old I was. I was in a really stable relationship. Um, I had been living in the same area for like six, seven, eight years or something like that. And I was like, I'm too familiar. I'm ready to struggle and I need to go do something else. And I did. I did do something else and I did struggle and I did suffer, but looking back, that was one of those major moments for me. That was one of those milestones that completely changed the trajectory of my life and my career. And I'm so grateful that that happened, right? Mm -hmm. Like the willingness to suffer because of the, the polarity that it provides, but also the opportunity for growth is, is not to be understated. Yeah. I think it's hard for us to grow when we're too comfortable. Yeah, it is challenging. And I think we, we desire it. We desire the expansion through struggle there. It's so innate in our, in our human, in our humanness. I can't think of a better yeah. word, but it's so baked into our DNA. It's, it's so part of our evolutionary process that we, we really desire the, the deep discomfort and the triumph through expansion in in uncomfortable 
struggle, strive. Oh, yes. We do. It's just part of how we're wired. And I think on a spiritual level, it's part of our evolutionary path. Yes. Like we can look at the nodal axis and look at how we're here to move into our North node and move beyond the shadow of our South node. Well, we're not here to move beyond the good things in our South node. We're here to yeah. move beyond the challenges, right? We're here to expand beyond the struggle of what keeps us small. Yeah. You said the triumph of expansion and I got chills because yeah. I think that triumph is such an appropriate word for it. I mean, I, I said similarly, like when like when I had my child, both of my children actually, but you know, I was like, I would 100% do it again. I love, and they're like, well, didn't it hurt? And I'm like, yeah, it did. But do you know how badass I felt? I will never feel that strength that like, just this trust in my body's ability to do one of the hardest things ever, like without having to like think too much about it. Like that was such a cool initiation. And again, like triumph, like that is the word. And that's the trust in the body. Like yes. that's the surrender of childbirth is such a perfect example of it. It's so much bigger than you. All you can do is surrender to it and trust that your body is taking care of you. Yes. And, and, and the, the evolution that comes through you as you go through that experience. But yeah, yeah absolutely. absolutely. I think recognizing too, that at some point in time, you really don't have a choice in it anymore. That's that, again, of like, it's one of the most interesting. Cause like on one hand you feel so powerful and at the same time you have no choice. Like it is like, you, you don't get to like nine months pregnant. Right. And then decide I'm not going to do it. I've changed my mind. Every woman's mind. Never oh, mind. Yeah. I think this was a bad idea. Oh, yeah. I, can I go back now? I don't my, actually think I want to do that. My second, I have my, my daughter in a, in a hospital a very swanky hospital in Los Angeles. Uh -huh. And then I had my son at home because my first experience was disempowering. Yes. And I had so many drugs that didn't actually work very well for my body. I yeah. think it works beautifully for some people, but for my body, it just disconnected me from my body. And yeah. so I was still in pain, but I was also disconnected and it was frightening experience. My son, who is six years younger, I had him at home and it was the most magnificent experience of my life because mm -hmm. I had never felt so much triumph yes. afterwards, but still through the process, there is a moment in natural childbirth where you think, oh, this is, this is close to death. Like it, there is a feeling where the pain is so great. The experience is so much greater than what we're accustomed to, that it goes to a transcendent place that is bigger than us. Yes. And then we move past it. And man, it is, there is nothing like it. I, really. I, I know. I was just gonna say, I think like the closest, not physically, but the closest, like psychologically or like mentally that I've come to that was using plant medicine to have mm. a psychedelic experience. And just that feeling of like, I am about to have this experience and I can't stop it. Yeah. Here it goes. But also like, you know, I've done it a few times. So it's not like my first time, but just like that trust of like, I know I'm going to be okay. And I know I'm going to get through it. And I know that I've done what I need to in my environment to be safe, but like, you don't just change your mind. Like you're kind of in it at that point in time. But again, the experience coming out of it is this one of like, oh, I am majestic as hell. I just did that. I just had this like consciousness expanding experience and explored depths of myself that I haven't like really been to, at least you know, in a while or whatever. And I now have this whole new paradigm of interacting with the world around me. And that's what these initiatory experiences are, you know, like not everyone listening has had children or like had, you know, done plant medicine or something like that. But I think that everyone can think to moments in their life of like that moment of initiation you don't have really a choice in it anymore, except for just to hold on and trust that you can do this. You can get through it. And mm -hmm. it is going to be for your benefit. If it is if interesting to that, sorry, say that again. I was saying, if you choose to let it be for your benefit, you we can to. learn a lot of lessons and just refuse to integrate it into our life. <laughs> very, very, we have very. that option. It is interesting though, that like what 
I was struck by hearing you talk about that was the importance of ritual and, mm. and like ritualized experiences and how if you, um, much less so now in Western society, but it is a new moon. So for yeah. those celebrate the lunar cycle and the, and have ritual around that, but in, you know, in our, our ancestors and, you know, tribal ex community experiences where we're not all in our little individual houses with our television screens. Yeah. Internet that, that we're hardwired for ritual. We're hired, hardwired for ritual through community. We're hardwired for these like ritualistic experiences that, that change, that we allow to change us. Mm -hmm. So in so many cultures, um, that there's there's tradition around like getting older, that there's tradition around having challenging experiences that can be uncomfortable as yeah. a ritual that you have to move through as you yes. step into adulthood and the power of, you know, leading yourself through those experiences as you step into the empowerment of your own identity as an adult. It's such a powerful construct that we yeah. really shifted away from in a lot of Western society anyway. Yeah, no, it's so true. Taking things that, I don't know, I think a lot of like what I talk about like on my podcast and like with people is the idea of inviting sacred ritual, like, you know, viewing your work as a sacred ritual. It's not just this like reluctance. Oh, I have to go do this. Or even like being old enough to go have a job is something that's like, oh shit, now I have to go get a job and I have to support myself. And, oh, this is awful. And this is also just like my, you know, Capricorn nature, but I'm like, I loved the moment I was old enough to experience some level of autonomy when I was old enough to create real value for someone else and that they could recognize that value within me and give me money for it. Being old enough to earn money was one of the best things that ever happened to me, but there's a lot of other things too, you know, that like we go through these moments that now like do carry a lot of like shame or we hate it or like, you know we resist it in some way where it's like, man, this life is so, this, this, I was about to say, this life is so sacred. I'm like, isn't that the name of your business? The name of my company. <laughs> da, da, da. There it all is. Because, but because it is right. Like this yes. human experience, this is the sacred yes. getting out of the body. That's not the getting out of the human, the 3d, the, whatever you want to call it. Yes. We're missing the point. The point is to be present right here and right now. And I love that concept of, you know, anchoring in that even going to your job can be sacred ritual. Yeah. Like, the more that we understand that we move we're we are hardwired to desire to be present and and in the fullness of our experiences and the and unfortunately so there's so much amazingness and wonder and, and expansion that's come through technology it's why you and I can sit here and have this conversation and yeah. then put it out into the world but we're so distracted from this sacred moment yes. because we have all these dopamine hits everywhere, right? We're so distracted by all the flickering blue screens and, and we forget to drop into right now and find the ritual of it, find the sacredness of it. Yes. And appreciation of it really. Yeah. That was a big thing for me when I was going through my transition of faith and leaving behind one belief system that the very nature of worship in that belief system included a lot of ritual, a lot of, uh, you know, both in the physical, but also in like the, emo you know, emotional, mental, there was a moment in my life where like, even after I transitioned out of it, I could not fall asleep at night without offering a prayer because it was mm -hmm. just so hardwired into my person that like, I couldn't relax until that part of my day had been done that when I started looking for something to fill that, that space that I had now, you know, wanting belief and wanting a practice and wanting a community um, that would support me in that it was very clear to me that I wanted something with ritual. I feel like for me connecting with the occult or some of the other, you know, I feel we're calling it like new age because so much of it is very ancient actually, <laughs> and very old and, and comes from a long, long, long tradition. But that was immediately like resonant for me. Cause I'm like, this is actually what I love. It's not only familiar because it's what I came from, but it makes, I don't know, like you have something to look forward to. Like it makes things feel 
special. Like this is one thing I've talked about before on my podcast where so many people want to believe in magic. You want to believe in, we watch Harry Potter or something, mm-hmm. Lord of the Rings, and we want to believe in that stuff, but we won't allow ourselves to recognize that it's all around us. You know, going back to what I said earlier, the, the best indicator that magic is real for me is the fact that we do it all the time in our yeah. mind, yeah. right? Like I know that if I just start smiling, my body will know that I'm happy and I'll start to feel happy. I'll actually start to generate those chemicals that we've used. You know, science will, will prove that I'm happy now because the chemicals in my head, I can just make that. Like you tell me that's not magic. You, you know what I mean? And I, and I think what's beautiful is I think, well, two things, like, I think this new age is so funny that it's called new age because yeah. it's based in ancient, uh, in ancient understandings of, of the medicine of nature, really. Yeah. I mean, so, and it's been part of cultures from the beginning of time and it's just been commercialized and yeah. marketed now in a different yeah. way. But I do think that it is interesting coming out of, you know, I was born in 1975. So I came out of, you know, the eighties and came into, you know, my adulthood in the late, well, in the nineties and, and how material, material we were, but disconnected from the body, right? Like what you're talking about and how I can see the shift over the last 20 years, like more and more we're moving towards this understanding this remembering of our power, this remembering of the innate wisdom of our, of our mind body connection. Mm -hmm. And even look at like Dr. Joe Dispenza's work has Mm -hmm. been formative in that regard. And if anyone doesn't know who he is, look him up because he's amazing and has, has, you know, really dedicated his life now to talking about how powerful the mind is in healing the body because he healed himself from a terrible life-altering spinal cord incident, I think, accident. Um, but, you know, I, I think it gives me hope that I think we're evolving, you know, yes. we're remember, we're coming back into this remembering of our, of our power and yeah. our autonomy really separate from, separate from the conditioning. Absolutely. You know, I think to kind of like wrap it up, I would say that like, this is really a time again, it is about power. It is about um, our own personal power and where we give that away either consciously or unconsciously. And that really to balance that, to kind of come back into our power is really getting to know yourself, honor yourself enough to spend time really getting to know who you are. Right. And then play with that, test it out in context, right? How are you yourself, but still in these relationships now that you've come into this awareness and, you know, folks like me and Christy are here to help with that. (laughs) Do our best. Yeah, because all of these are, they're just spiritual tools that help, help reflect back to you, help remind you, help you remember um, and yeah, it is, it's a beautiful time. I'm excited for, for all the, all the unfolding that's happening over these next, uh, few months and year and a half. Yes. Thank uh, you. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. Chatting with you. This, this has been, been super fun. Um, well, I'll probably like say this a little bit in like our intro too, but like came in with like no clear plans, just kind of started talking about like the astrology and now here we are. So we hope that you guys enjoyed this crossover episode we'll have it posted to both of our podcasts and Chrissy I'd love to talk again about human design with you so I'll have to get you back on again and hear more about I read a lot about reflectors and only maybe 10% of what I read like makes sense to me Mm. so I'm eager to get a more personalized perspective on it I love um well, we should do it reading and then we'll do a, yeah, do yeah. A and then we'll do a podcast episode because I love, I, I, it is the most helpful tool I found. I love astrology and have loved it forever and ever and ever. Yeah. Human design is so specific to my energy as I move through my day to day and, and also the way other people receive me in my day to day. And it's so helpful in helping us understand our conditioning and move beyond our conditioning. And it's my favorite parenting tool 
of all of them. Yes. And I think in a lot of ways, it was why it was brought into our consciousness was really to help the next generations be able to move through the world from a more authentic place. Yeah. So it's great for business because because we are our business, especially for entrepreneurs, but um, it's great for relationship. It's great for self-development, but it's just out of this world for parenting, which isn't even something I offer, but it's just something I'm passionate about because I've got children. I'm a mom. I wouldn't say like same. Yeah. And I'll, yeah, I'm going through something with my six-year-old right now that is really fun to explore. So yeah, we'll have to talk more about that and do a (laughs) follow-up episode and we'll report out on how it goes. Absolutely. (laughs) Very awesome. All right. Well, thank you, Christy. Thank you for joining me for this episode of the Corporate Coven podcast. I hope you enjoyed it and gained valuable insights into the world of personal and professional alchemy. If you want to stay updated on the latest episodes, be sure to subscribe to this podcast and turn on notifications. I'd also love to connect with you on social media, and you can visit my website, www.thatwitchfromwork.com to find other ways to connect and work with me. I'd love to hear your feedback and suggestions for future topics, so please let me know in the comments on this episode what you're interested in. Until next time, keep working your magic and casting spells of success in your career and life.